I, I can't focus unless the gun is on the table. Nothing is normal or natural or everything is game. I'm going to start a collection of puddings and coupons that can be redeemed for freaking fire miles. We have to get out of this building. They made soup out of my research turtle. See, this is the, the scene of the movie where you help me out. Wait, this is the final chapter? Hold on. I gotta start this thing from the beginning. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to West versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator, the only podcast I'm aware of that covers the movies of Wes Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson, and Paul W.S. Anderson. I'm, of course, one of your two hosts of the show, Jeremy Anderson, and I'm proposing to you, Eric Anderson, uh-huh. that... Yeah. Why don't we just why don't we start this over and do it again? <laughs> okay. We're at the final chapter, but I'm sitting here scratching my head. I'm I, I feel like there's holes in this plot. Why don't we go back and watch all of the Resident Evil movies one more time? What do you say, pal? Um yeah, you know what? Let's do it. <laughs> and this time let's not watch any of the uh, Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson <laughs> yeah. movies in between. Yeah. Let's just do only the Resident Evil movies. Uh, and, and who knows? We might even do it a third time. I'm having too much fun over here. So I guess we have these, these movies are, uh, really weird. I'm, I'm surprised that there's not, uh, a Resident Evil epilogue. Do you, do you think that there will be at some point? This is, this is it, right? This is the. Yeah. But you know, there's the final chapter and then there's the epilogue. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm surprised they like haven't Resident like melted more money jacket? out of this franchise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want the Resident Evil um like uh special thanks section. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, are there uh, uh never mind. All these Go dynamite ahead. jokes aside, we got to introduce our guest um returning with us for the final time on this show. And we'll we'll probably have him again on something else. Oh, I yeah. mean, he knows about more things than just Resident Evil. Um, mm. Michael McCaller, how are you, pal? Hey, I'm doing good. I was just itching for a Resident Evil photo of the author. That was the one I mm-hmm. was excited. <laughs> photo of the author. That's it. Thank you. Yes. Yes. I wish I would have had you there to to back me up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's we're done. We're finally done with this with the Resident <gasps> Evil film franchise. It was a doozy, let me tell you. Um, I cannot believe it. And you know what's sad, Eric? We haven't even watched them all. (laughs) There are multiple that were not directed by him. I I hate to spring this on you on the air, Jeremy, but I do think maybe this podcast isn't the place for it, but I do think you and I have to do the last two movies Yes, in the middle. I I feel like our opinions on all things Resident Evil need to be cataloged for the internet. I, and I do think we should release those um, as bonus episodes. Maybe on the West versus Paul feed. We'll just throw them up mm-hmm. as bonus episodes. Yeah. So that I, as long as I am excluded from having to watch these <laughs> movies, I, I'm fine with whatever. Eric, you're invited, but we understand if <laughs> yeah. you've got something going on. Yeah, you're dismissed, Eric. You, but uh, you're more than welcome to join us. But yeah. Um, I got to say, yeah, I... I totally missed the film in which our main villain here, Dr. Isaacs, comes from. Mm-hmm. He now yeah. appears yeah. in the movie that I accidentally watched the second time I was on this show. Okay. Which is Apocalypse? Is that right? Apocalypse. Yeah. Gotcha. He makes his appearance there. And then I believe he plays a big role in three, which none of us have seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There were two and that we who- haven't seen. It sounds like he's not in four. No, I I didn't know he was in this film. Uh, he's Jarrell from Game of Thrones, right? Right. Yeah, I didn't know he was in this until until I looked it up one day and saw. His, and I was like, oh wow, he's kind of a big get. Maybe he wasn't a big get at the time, but looking backwards, he seems like a big get later. Like, mm-hmm. what year did Game of Thrones happen? Oh, I mean, final chapter is twenty sixteen. This movie mm-hmm. just came out in my mind. <laughs> um, Can I make an well, observation that I didn't even realize? Because I did look at what year this movie came out. Yeah. And it came out in 2016. The first one was in 2000. Oh, God. One, I'm going to get it wrong. Right? 
2001. That's what I thought. Okay, ne never mind. I'm very, very wrong. For some reason, I wrote down it so it was in 2012. And then as, as I was saying it, I was like, nope, that's wrong. And my observation isn't cool anymore. Dude, that would be the quickest. That would be the, that would be insane. That would be more than one of these a year. <laughs> Which it feels like they could have done. Mm -hmm. I thought that this movie franchise existed exactly in the doldrums of the Resident Evil oh. game franchise. Gotcha. But it doesn't. It, it began in 2001, like pretty early into Resident Evil's existence. It was out for uh, five years, I guess. Five years from the first game to the first movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I guess it's an O2 film. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, mm. It came out in 2002, which is a year after the X-Men movie. We were just having a time back then trying to figure out how are we doing these big film, for, you know, big blockbuster comic book and video game movies. Um, and uh, so this is all pre the Marvel Cinematic Universe, obviously. Mm. And and it shows. <laughs> um, but uh, Eric, before we get started, we should probably plug the Patreon. What do you say? Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh from what I from what I understand, it's Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy, That's and right. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, if you pay five dollars, you can get access to uh I don't know, probably at least seventy five bon. There's a lot of bonus episodes. Oh yeah, there. it's gotta be like I mean, uh, we've been doing this for for a long time, and. Uh, yeah, we do these uh, almost weekly bonus episodes, and we have a tier where you can force us to do an episode on various films. Uh, we have, we do have a, a higher tier uh, for those for those of you brave enough mm -hmm. to force us to watch the Johnny Depp comedy vehicle Mordecai. Uh, <laughs> however, we we also have a lower a lower price tier uh, for all other movies uh, that you want us to watch. <laughs> And uh, yeah, this uh, I'm very excited for this uh, next Patreon episode. We'll be closing out March with. We just watched all the Paul Thomas Anderson films, and we're gonna rank them. We're gonna talk about uh, what we learned. Mm -hmm. we're, how, we're gonna talk about how we grew as as individuals through this journey. And um, I don't know about you, Jeremy, but I've been growing uh, ever since Inherent Vice. I've been growing mutton chops. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, ever since I watched uh, the Phantom Thread, I've been growing taller. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've actually gotten some height on me now, which is nice. Great. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about that, and I'm excited to get that episode out. That's gonna be really fun. Because um, I think we're also gonna rank the movies. No. Oh, we'll rank them. Uh, if you just heard very loud gunshot and explosion sounds, it's because I accidentally. Uh, Played part of Resident Evil: The Final Chapter on full blast through my earbud. And it hurt very bad. I did the uh, same thing on accident. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, and also in March we did some fan requests. We did um, uh, the original Funny Games. We did uh, Stay Tuned. We did one with the first Leprechaun movie for St. Patrick's Day. Mm -hmm. It was a great time. That was all in one month. Yeah. Uh, and it's a great little community over there. So get on over there. Show your support. And uh, I think I'm ready, Jeremy and Michael. I can't wait to hear how you guys felt about this exciting conclusion mm. to what I'm going to say is one of film's greatest franchises. Yeah, it's definitely one of film's franchises for sure. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> it, is, it is a franchise. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I cannot wait to talk about this film. Before we get into too much of how we felt, maybe we should go through a little bit of the back the back, uh, the back story behind the making. I of gotta the film. know how this film came to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we all know from doing the very, you know, the last episode, this was supposed to be famously uh, shot at the same time as the last film. But Paul W. S. Anderson, he put a stop to that. He decided that uh, whatever the last one was called, what was it called? We just did it. It's called Retribution. Retribution. He decided Retribution needed his full attention, and he'll figure out. The final chapter later. This movie has uh, what a. will turn out to be a costly decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a very costly decision. Yeah. Um, the budget of this film is $40 million. The box office gross is $312 million. Our Ooh. boy did it again. <laughs> he brought it. Damn. He brought in a, a million times more than the, than the movie was worth. Uh, it is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson and written by Paul W.S. Anderson. No other credits, by the way, ever with him. Hmm. 
It's mm-hmm. always written and directed by. Uh, it is starring Mila Jovovich, obviously. Um, Lane or Ian, Glenn, Ali, Car- Ali Larder, Sean Roberts, Ruby Rose, Fraser Williams. Honestly, other than Ali Larder, Mila Jovovich, and, uh, and Mr. Ian G- Allen Sutherland Glenn, known as Sir Jorah Mormont in Game of Thrones... Mm-hmm. Kind of a, a cast full of, um, peop- you know, non-celebrities. Uh, yeah, a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. A bunch of nobodies. Allie Larder joins the fray again as the great, I believe, Claire yes. Redfield is who she's playing. Um, I didn't recognize her. She she uh, she looks different. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she looks older, but she's aged, you know, gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But she just looks different. I, I didn't even... Until you said that, I was like, "Oh right, I guess that was Ali Larder, who what else we talked we about uh, in the Final Destination franchise." That's right. I was trying to think of what other Ali Larder roles I know, and I just remember her from Doritos commercials. Mm, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, she could pull one of those off like gangbusters. She was always good, and for yet a I know her name. Hmm. Yeah, Ali Larder. Yeah, she's she's like she's got a '90s face. I don't know if that makes sense. Hmm. But it's, a, it's like mm-hmm. it's like oh wow, like that is the face of someone I saw a lot in the nineties. Hmm. Um, anyways, I'm attracted to <laughs> for sure and style and everything. <laughs> uh, this of course was shown in 2D, 3D, and IMAX 3D when it came out. Um, yeah, this has uh, this is again the 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 final chapter of the Resident Evil um, film franchise. Uh, however, it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite come like the events of this film don't quite come like immediately after the events of retribution, as we all know from watching the film, there's actually a lot of stuff that happens off camera in between the beginning of this film and the start, the start of this film and the ending of the last film, which actually I was kind of surprised by. Uh, famously, stunt woman Olivia Jackson was involved in a motorcycle crash during filming. Her left arm was injured so badly it had to be amputated. Um, huge bummer. Uh, <laughs> kind of dark clouds surrounding this movie. Is that happened? She did sue, of course, and won. Thank God. Good. Thank God. Um, yeah. So uh, Megan Sharpentier had outgrown the role of the Red Queen. Obviously, she's like. It's like 20 years ago <laughs> when, it, like, when she started. Uh, so she was recast with Mila Jovovich and Paul W. Sanderson's real-life daughter, Ever Anderson. I don't. I can't tell if I hate that name or love that name, Ever oh. Anderson. I kind of like it. It raised a bile in me. Yeah, it's like Ever After, <laughs> but Ever <Yeah>. Anderson. <laughs> It's both too clever and not clever enough. I know. It it really exists in that like, oh, it's wordplay, but kind of makes you shudder. Like it's not good <laughs> wordplay. Uh do do does the Hollywood elite know that you can just name your child Dave? Or <laughs> I don't think so. I think when you get a billion dollars, you start name you, you you suddenly forget all regular names. <laughs> yeah. Um, during filming in South Africa, an improperly secured Humvee slid off a rotating platform, crushing crew member Ricardo Cornelius against a wall. He was rushed to the hospital and placed on life support, but he died a few hours later. What? It was Another film's... person died? Oh. Yeah. It was the film's Man. second on-set accident and the only fatal one. Wow. Only. Cool. Guys. Uh, I did not know this before starting to read Me this either. bit. That is absolutely terrible it is so yep. rare when us when anyone dies on on set anymore right and for this to happen twice that feels like somebody in power was ignoring something i don't want to say that i don't know how do you twice? how why did it happen twice how can you live with yourself how can you go on shoot i just don't even understand Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. almost disrespectful that they like continued making this movie in a yeah. way. Yeah. 
totally. No one should, no, no life should be spared uh, in order for Resident Evil, the final chapter, to, to, to have been released. Didn't this happen to like, like the Omen or something? Oh, maybe. Was, the, the, wasn't the there remake? another movie where like people kept getting hurt on set and it was about devil worship maybe? And so everybody mm. was like, oh, this is evidence. Oh, wow. Shouldn't be making this, shouldn't be making this movie. Maybe, yeah. I know that a lot of calamity befell the cast and crew of uh, Poltergeist, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Sienna Guillory announced on Twitter that she was never asked to join the project to reprise her role as Jill Valentine. She did acknowledge thanks from all the fans for their support for her performance as the character. <laughs> all right, <laughs> <Great>. all right. <laughs> um i guess uh the filming was originally scheduled for 2013 for a 2014 release date but the film was delayed when mila jovovich became pregnant with her second child mm. Hmm. Mm. yep forever and ever anderson forever and ever anderson um <laughs> Yeah, uh, 95% of this film was shot with a handheld camera, which the director controlled himself. That's actually pretty impressive. Um, Yeah, it's kind of impressive. There's not a ton of directors who do their own DP work. I know Tarantino is one of them. um, Spielberg sometimes. Spielberg might sometimes, yeah. But I think it's like, yeah, the the that's a lot of uh, pressure. You know, not to not just direct the film, but be behind the camera. Sort of like acting and directing at the same time. Hmm. Um, huh. Well, that's about it. Man, a lot of laughs. A lot of laughs in this uh, in this trivia. Jeez Louise. Yikes. Um, okay, well, uh, why don't you say we uh, get into a little bit of the, uh, the plot of the mm-hmm. film? Let's do it. So, let's see here. Uh, was anyone else immediately sort of put off by the by the fact that like we leave we leave retribution with Wesker like shooting the virus into Mila Jovovich, giving her powers mm-hmm. back, zombies invading the White House, time to fight, yeah, and then cut to none of that is paid off. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. we don't know what yeah. happened and and all we hear is that Wesker betrayed Alice in somehow somehow in a different scene. Uh-huh. Uh I was like what wait what the f- what is going on because it just seemed like such an obvious move to all right here we go we're back in it at the White House anyway. So it reminded me of like the season two premiere of Mad Men, how they're just like, hey, three years happened and the fun is going to be figuring out what happened. Oh, sure. And this movie is just like, it doesn't matter. Like you knew Wesker was going to betray them. Wesker's not good. Yes. I mean, that's that's a good point. But on the other hand, I was like, why not on screen? Why? why, Uh If it really doesn't matter, (laughs) then what does matter here? Uh, (laughs) So Dr. James Marcus, the founder of the Umbrella Corporation, had a daughter, Alicia, who is dying of progeria. uh, Desperate to save her, Marcus has the T-virus taken from Dr. Charles Ashford for use on her and others with the disease. After another child treated with the virus died and then reanimated as a rabid zombie, Marcus tried to have the program shut down. His partner, Dr. Alexander Isaacs, had Marcus killed by Albert Wesker, then adopted Alicia and took over the corporation. Um, pretty evil scene, by the way. She's like, Dad, coming home from, mm-hmm. coming down the <laughs> yeah. stairs, and he and he's, meanwhile, Dad's getting put into a bag. Um, after the events in Washington, D.C., Alice awakens after being betrayed by Wesker. See, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Red Queen appears and tells Alice she has 48 hours to infiltrate the hive, over 400 miles west on I-64 in Raccoon City. The Umbrella Corporation has developed an airborne antivirus which can kill every organism infected with the T-virus, but is waiting for the last few remaining humans to be wiped out. So here's one thing I'll say right away. I think this movie looks pretty incredible, actually. Mm. I actually, like, uh, like, this is not a good Resident Evil movie, and none of them are, but this is a 
pretty decent Mad Max movie. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, this is a completely post-apocalyptic movie, and it's pretty cool and looks good. Yeah. And then I was trying to think, like, would a Resident Evil game be cool in a post-apocalyptic setting? Mm-hmm. I think the answer is no, but <laughs> the fact that the fact that I got thinking down that track. Yeah, or maybe just a uh, putting Resident Evil in a desert setting in general, mm-hmm. but not not like five. <laughs> right. But like a like a like this kind of like a like a almost like a yeah Mad Max type of situation. I don't know, Eric. What, what were your thoughts about like the look? Because like it's like this is like Mad Max with dragons, pretty much at the beginning. Okay, so the one thing I will say about this movie, and you know, I don't know if I necessarily like this about it, but this movie to me feels the most like a video game movie. Like this setup, this after this setup and just going forward, it's just all action and like a uh, little like tests and event and and it just it kind of an adventure, like a like a quest almost. It like felt I. I was like, okay, I get that this is like a video game movie, and I think that, uh, I, in a good way, that I felt I felt that way about this movie, and I also felt that way about um, what you're talking about, about like the cinematography and just the way, the way everything looks. It it this to me feels pretty much exactly like what I um, imagine when I think of like uh, what would a Resident Evil movie look like. Oh, nice. I yeah, I mean, that's that's interesting. But I don't know any of the, you know, details of Resident Evil. I've just played one game a bunch of times. A long no, time and ago. I think that's that's apt. In like, It feels like that's how uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, I had to stop myself and think about which one it was. I think that's how he thought about it, too. It feels like he's coming into this saying, like, I know video games. Right. Resident Evil is a video game, and just skipped the actual video game that was Resident Evil because it's such a different experience and uh, right. uh, like, this I is a spoiler like I guess I was... it hurt my feelings again this game <laughs> yeah right Eric I felt you... like I was watching someone play a video it was like the same feeling of like watching someone play a video game I in a way. I I actually kind of agree with that I think it did look like the like an opening cinematic to a video game for sure uh but again, the type of video game we're talking about here is a post-apocalyptic, like a Rage or a or a Borderlands or like something mm-hmm. like that, or or even you know what, a Monster Hunter. If you want to know how Monster <laughs> Hunter is going to look, folks, this is how it's going to look. It's going to look just Do you like think this the movie. Monster Hunter movie is going to be just like full of puzzles and ambient chills. I I don't know, but I know that like this be- the the opening sequence I'm specifically referring to where she rams that beast with her car into the wall. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. like I'm like I was just like yeah. this is this is Monster Hunter. This is what it's gonna be yep. like. It's gonna be just this yeah. again and again and again, but bigger monsters and stuff. Um. So, anyways, I I'm I'm again I I've been I've been totally burned by this being a, a decent Resident Evil experience so much that now I am. I'm just sort of along for the ride and I immediately liked the look of this and not unlike retribution. I thought, I thought they both had a pretty decent beginning, even though I was initially bummed out about the cut to uh, a long time after the events that I wanted to see (laughs) happen. Um, I will say that this one is too long. This is, I think the longest one. This is, yeah. And I get, I get that it's, too long because it's the last one but we're also getting introduced to new care don't introduce me to new characters in the final chapter (laughs) are you out of your mind okay so can i tell you something that i i feel like i read on like a wikipedia or something that this movie was about alice claire chris leon jill infiltrating the hive oh and i had that in my head Oh no! And I kept waiting. Oh no! <laughs> I kept waiting for my dear friends because it's like I have this weird relationship with these movies where it's like I go into it knowing I'm not going to get any cool Resident Evil stuff that I actually want to see, and then they start talking about like we're giving a little girl named Lisa the progenitor virus, and Resident Evil One Remake has one of the greatest monsters in anything I've ever seen. That yeah. is a little girl named Lisa who gets the progenitor virus and becomes a horrifying creature. So I'm like. 
Okay, just give me that. I promise I'll be happy if you just give me that. But I know I wouldn't be. <laughs> I know right. I would still be upset by it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, that's why immediately when you started to saying this, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, in route to Raccoon City, Alice is captured by Isaacs, learning that the Isaacs she previously killed was a clone. She escapes mm. his convoy, which, by the way, is, very again, very, very Mad Max-ish. You know, a lot of the, what do they call those? The Marauders. Kind of reminded me of that. You know, she's on a mm. chain, being chain dragged behind a big car. Mm. She escapes his convoy and reaches Raccoon City, where she is ambushed by a group of survivors. You know what? I I also believe Fury Road would have been a popular movie just just before this came out too. So mm. that yeah, it, that, that makes a lot of sense right. actually. Uh, she escapes the convoy, and reaches Raccoon City, where she is ambushed by a group of survivors: Doc, Abigail, Christian, Cobalt, Razor, and Claire Redfield, who survived the attack on Arcadia. Isaac's convoy approaches, trailed by a horde of zombies. Alice and the group defeat the convoy, retrieve Isaac's few human captives, and burn the horde. Though, Col- though Cobalt is killed. Alice and crew enter the hive entrance at the bottom of the crater from the nuclear, uh, nuclear bomb previously dropped on the city. Wesker, in control of the hive, releases mutated guard dogs, killing Christian and a freed captive. Um. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I mean, I it, uh, I like the idea of we have to go back. Let's mm-hmm. go back to Raccoon City, the home of Umbrella. It says on the uh, on the sign. It's the right move for the final movie. I agree. Yeah, going back to the hive. Uh, cool, cool, I- cool idea. Anyway. The Red Queen appears to Alice and explains that her program is in conflict and she can never hurt an Umbrella employee, but also must value human life. Now, here's my question. Didn't she wipe out all the Umbrella employees at one point in the first movie? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is there something yeah. I'm missing here? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was the plot of the first film. You're right. <laughs> I don't understand. Are they trying to say that maybe someone else did that and the Hive wasn't a part of it? Because I think the Hive did it. Well, we'll never know. Seems like a huge, huge, bizarre plot hole for no reason. She plays a video of Isaacs explaining to Umbrella executives the plan to release the T-virus, cleansing the world of humanity. Many of the rich and powerful, including the company executives are stored in cryogenic capsules in the hive with the intention of rebuilding the world following the resulting apocalypse. The Red Queen warns Alice that someone in her group is helping Umbrella. Who the did group you think encou- it was at this point? Yeah, that's a good question. Who did everyone think it was? Um, Because uh, I definitely thought think it was Claire's name. boyfriend. Oh, nice. I thought it was Claire. Oh, that would have broken my heart. I know. I thought it would have been cool. If it was like, oh, the one you trusted the most. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I had thought of that, I would have been afraid of that happening. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think, Eric? Uh, I'm trying to think of his. Maybe I am thinking of who's which one is Claire's boyfriend? He was the one who ended up being it. Okay. Oh, maybe that was him. Which is, I don't, he, he, I, how would you describe him? Uh, milk toast? <laughs> <laughs> He's not the guy who's on edge. Like the guy who's like trigger happy. He's the guy who's yeah. like calms that guy down, right? Mm-hmm. All right. The group encounters several traps, killing Abigail and Razor. Alice and Doc plant bombs throughout the hive from the leftover equipment of the original team to investigate the hive. Alice confronts the real tech upgraded Isaacs. Doc is revealed to be Umbrella's spy and Claire is captured by Wesker. A cryogenic capsule opens, releasing Alicia Marcus, Umbrella's co-owner and Marcus's daughter. Isaac Isaacs reveals to Alice that she actually she's a, is actually a clone of Alicia. 
before going on to explain his plan to eliminate the pair and assume control of Umbrella. Alicia fires Wesker, allowing Red Queen to crush his legs with a security door. (laughs) That's a pretty, I like that idea. That's a pretty, yeah, pretty okay. The whole loophole. Oh, you can't hurt someone who's an umbrella player where you're fired, Wesker. (laughs) Doc tries to shoot Alice, but his gun is empty, as Alice had earlier deduced his treachery. This was kind of annoying to me, the whole, like, I, it, it felt, you know, those scenes, there's a couple of them here where we, like, go back and, like, the gun misfiring, and then we do this quick little cut, jump back to, like, seeing Mia Jovovich, like, uh, what's it called, like, discharge the gun or whatever right. secretly. We get that, we, we get a few of those in, like, a brief amount of time, and I was like... We don't need to. We like we can like assume that she did it. You know what I mean? Right. Like we don't need to go it's back. It's cooler and see if you it. don't it felt see it. Kind of corny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Oh yeah. Also, Sarah, I'm going through some agree. of the. I'm I'm going. I'm kind of perusing some of the one star IMDb reviews, <laughs> and a lot of people had problems with the editing. Did you guys have any issues with the with the editing? Because now that I think about it, like that thing that I was just talking about, those little cuts kind of annoyed me and i feel like in retrospect maybe i was a little annoyed with how this was edited i always do with his his movies his editing is sort of his staple and at the same time it's my greatest my Mm. my greatest issue uh eric you remember three musketeers how like how that was edited where it's like (laughs) it's edited sort of like um he's trying to be like i don't know like it's it's hard to compare it to something. It's it's like a Guy Ritchie movie or something. It's like, but not good. I don't know. What did you think, um, McCaller? What did you think of the editing? As as we're talking about it, I didn't necessarily think of it as editing, but I guess it is. Um, every shot of the Red Queen <laughs> mm-hmm. has these strange jump cuts within the framing of... Yes. The little girl, yeah, and I, I, I wrote down. It's like, why is she being shot? Like it's a Jamiroquai video. It just <laughs> felt like uh, there was no reason for it. But you're right. There's, there's these little attempts to make it sizzle when there's no steak. Right. Right. He can't just let a little girl talk on camera. He's got to cut it and in, cut into it thirty, forty times. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like he's had this style since shopping. You know, mm-hmm. like quick cuts to from different act, you know, action sequence, you know, kind of like that. Uh, that oh, don't 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 hang on any shot for too long. You know, like the energy comes from how many different shots you're cutting from, mm-hmm. as opposed to energy coming from literally any other place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know the uh, the holograms, they, how they can do holograms of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think some psycho like uh, Resident Evil fan out there has created like a Red Queen, <laughs> like a replica of the Red Queen? <laughs> oh at my the end? gosh, probably. And I can yes. only imagine for what purpose. <laughs> um, well, th- uh, we've talked about it before. These weirdo fans who like love the umbrella part of the mythos, like hundred yeah. percent, would build themselves a Red Queen. Yeah, yeah. I want to meet the fan who like is not a fan of the games, is just a fan of the movie and Umbrella yeah. specifically within the movies. I think the statistics tell us that they all live in China. Mm-hmm. So that's where you want to go if you want to see this hologram in, in person. <laughs> yes, and on a daily basis, they wear the Umbrella logo like contact lenses. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yes. Uh, so Claire executes Doc for his treason. After giving Wesker a dead man's switch to the primed bombs, Alice and Claire pursue Isaacs while Alicia uploads a copy of her childhood memories. Isaacs, Alice, and Claire fight. Isaacs overpowers Claire and attacks Alice in the laser corridor, eventually defeating her. Um... But she uses that moment to activate a grenade in his pocket. She escapes to the surface yeah. with the antivirus, but Isaacs reboots 
and catches her before she can release it. Is this did this okay, so did the did the fan blade death already happen? Yes. That was hella disturbing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Does this movie feel like it's got a lot of saw in it? It felt yes. like there was a lot of lot more fun. Like Resident Evil ha- games do have touches of this that you'll get into a trap and you've got to figure out a way out of it pretty quick. But like uh-huh. that was something that it felt like this movie latched onto was their favorite part of Resident Evil and their favorite part of like their best way to evoke horror. You totally. Um. Yeah, totally. It it just feels like it has a lot of dirty, gritty, grimy. Well, there's a lot of traps too, and traps mm-hmm. just kind of inherently feel saw-ish now at this point. If they're, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I would pick out that would make something feel saw-ish besides a trap. Yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, just the look of it too. It looks mm-hmm. very saw saw-like. Yeah, you could do traps in a Home Alone way. <laughs> <laughs> that'll look that'll look different. Yeah, you could heat up a doorknob or <laughs> yeah. put like a bucket of marbles over a a, jo- a door that's slightly ajar. I want to see Alice have to deal with that. Have to deal with a, <laughs> an iron coming towards her. Uh yes, yeah, so before uh he, he can kill her, the Isaac's clone from the convoy arrives and kills him believing itself to be the original Isaacs. Man, I'll tell you, I, I do got a yeah. soft spot for the whole do androids dream of electric sheep premise. <laughs> the whole, am I real or am I a robot? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the clone is then devoured by the undead, leaving me, though, with this this resolution left me with a little bit of uh, the, the whole, the old, uh, what's the point? here right they were bu- uh-huh. like zombies were coming so why did right. we even get the moment of killing one killing the other if you're just gonna eat the clone just felt uh, very yep. anticlimactic yeah, <laughs> there, there was another moment in this movie that did the same thing where like she was approaching an umbrella motorcycle and somebody like pops out of the motorcycle like it's a cake and yeah she gets into like a big long fight with them and wins, and then goes and touches the motorcycle and gets electrocuted and passes out and is captured. Yeah, it's like we already we already got there. Like the man was in the motorcycle; <laughs> he captured her. Um, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just a hat on a hat. Whatever the action film version of a hat on a hat is, or the twist version of a hat on a hat. Anyway, uh, so. Alice releases the antivirus, killing all of the undead around her before she passes out. Wesker simultaneously drops the dead man switch, destroying himself, Alicia, the hive, and the hibernating umbrella elite. Claire wakes Alice, who survived because the antivirus killed only the T-virus within her body, not the healthy cells. I hate that. (laughs) That can't be how that works. That just can't be how that works. The Red Queen uploads... Oh, yep. Go ahead. I was going to say, they made a pretty big deal in the last movie how Alice was the only one who had bonded with the T-Virus. Oh, yeah. And that's Uh why she didn't become a zombie. That's why she got superpowers. Right. Right. But it's It just... It flies in the face of... Just the whole, like, you know, Heroes to Beowulf story, right? This is a giant epic. The hero must die. That Tony Mm. Stark dies, guys. He's dead. Uh, anyway, the Red Queen uploads Alicia's childhood memories into Alice, granting her a childhood. Alice travels into Manhattan, saying that the antivirus carried only by the winds will take years to reach the corners of the globe. And until it does, her mission is not yet finished. Jeremy, I kept thinking about something you said on the last episode Uh. when I was watching this film is, uh... You you know you really put Res- the Resident Evil franchise in a new light for me, and I believe you said Resident Evil is uh, a franchise about a man who loves a woman. It's about <laughs> yeah. Paul yeah. W. S. Anderson loving his wife so much and making her 
just this badass action star. And by the way, I do think that Mia Jovovich has been my favorite part of all of these movies, and I think she's a really good actor. Yes. But it is funny, like, all the... So I, I had this idea. I kind of laughed when I saw her as, like, an old woman. Yes. Because <laughs> I was like, of course, of course, we, we're going to get that. And uh, I have this idea that perhaps Paul W.S. Anderson is just, like, creating the ultimate like real acting real <laughs> for, for <me> job of <laughs> it. This so is to get her all, this is all to get her another job. Like a right, commercial like, acting agent. <laughs> yeah, like she's got the period piece thing down from Three Musketeers yeah, and uh yeah. Wow. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, it's it really is a in a very unique thing, I think when you think about it in that framing, in that context, where it's like, what other what other duo, other than like, ugh, I even hate to say it, but like Woody Allen and Mia Farrow, like where they did this many movies together, you know, husband and wife. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't even think. I mean, Fellini, and I know his wife did a bunch, but... Tom Cruise Brad Pitt and, and Angelina Jolie met on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. So that's, yeah, they did at least they did okay. they did they did more that's, than that's one close. movie together though I think. Um, and then yeah, you had, you had Tom and Nicole. They did a few movies, but mm. man, this is this is a lot of films. This is a <laughs> lot, and and all to make his make Mila Jovovich look like this insane. Ever youthful, sexy action goddess, and it and it worked. And that's the thing is, it worked. It like this this thing sold like gangbusters. Mm -hmm. You know, people were clamoring for Mila Jovovich at the time. Yeah, yeah. There was a market inefficiency that Paul W S Anderson saw. Yes, and he helped fill it. He helped Uh, fill it. We. We talked uh, last time about how frustrating it was for me as somebody who loves Resident Evil that like right. <laughs> Leon is a character who comes in and just like, we've got to save Alice. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know how I didn't see it coming, but the beautiful twist, because you're exactly right, Eric. Once Jeremy said that, I was like, oh, that reframes Resident Evil. And I do like it more because of that, mm-hmm. because it's sort of sweet. That Paul Anderson loves his wife so much that he made this movie for her. The giant twist of this movie is that even Alice thinks Alice is the coolest. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. The idea yeah. that you would yeah. <laughs> that you would have a clone and you as yourself would come out and say, You did even better than I did. <laughs> it's, so, it's so awesome to me. Yes. What a badass you've gotta be. Yes. So good. So good. Um, yeah, I'm into it. You know, in in a in a way, I, I'm I'm into it. I I didn't necessarily enjoy watching all of these, and um, you know, I especially I'm not going to enjoy watching them immediately right after this again with Eric as we. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I do. Uh, there's there's something about this that I I just think is it's wild. It's like what if Hollywood just wrote you a blank check. <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy to me and then and everyone, and everyone instead of just being like what is this we're like yes please and more, more forever more, more. <laughs> <laughs> uh because it's like some of these are i mean just legit nothing movies like did not matter that they exi- like afterlife i joke about afterlife earlier in this episode afterlife did not even matter like nothing that happened in that movie nothing about no, it mattered. Yeah. It was just it just didn't even need to exist. Imagine if like I, Lord of the Rings the Two Towers just nothing affected the plot <laughs> to it at all. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this on another episode of these, but there's something uh I don't know how he pulls this off, but these every single installment of the Resident Evil franchise has See, felt like I was just jumping in the middle of like a TV series. Yes. I don't know how he's done it because it's, I mean, obviously it's serialized. I get that it's a franchise and there's the story is, you know, in some ways continuing and characters come back. But it feels like this, 
this installment felt to me like I was just watching like something like The Walking Dead. Like I was just, oh, I'm just watching the season finale of some show on like TNT or something. I agree. Yeah, it it felt very. Even though I had just watched Retribution, this felt like I was walking into a trap. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what happened to all my plot? It's gone. <laughs> Uh, it, it does feel like he did still make the final chapter into two movies the way he originally intended to, but instead of turning one of those movies into retribution, he just cut the first half of that movie. Yeah, yeah, he did. It, it, truly, it's like it's like there is there's a lost chapter here, mm-hmm. I think, and that's where Which hopefully she, we'll get one day. I mean, that, I mean, honestly, I would like to see her defend the White House, and and maybe they. Wesker and her pal around for a film, and mm-hmm. then they're, they're both super powerful. And it's and then and then he betrays her in the in the third act. Oh my god, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I want to. Yeah, I, I feel like that would be kind of fun. But instead, it was just like, oh, I guess he's a. We just got used to him being a good guy, and now you just mm-hmm. uh, and now you just told me that he's a bad guy. You didn't even, you just told me he is <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He's bad again. It's like, what? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I guess we got to rank this puppy. Right. Um, I forgot about that part. <laughs> Michael, uh-huh. do the honors and uh, let's, let's hear what you thought of the, uh, the final chapter. And if you wouldn't mind giving a, uh, one out of four Chucky freckle ranking. Yeah, uh, I have such an ebb and flow with these movies where when I can convince myself that they are not an adaptation of my very favorite thing that has ever existed, uh-huh. I can have a pretty good time. And I can see them as like big, silly action movies that are kind of scary and, and fun. Uh, and then uh, Claire Redfield shows up. And I'm like, why would you name her that? She's not doing any Claire things. So, but that's me like grappling with my own nature to to pull it in to just be like don't be upset about this the movie you're asking for something that this movie has told you it is not and when are when are you going to learn and so with this movie i tried really hard to just sit back and let it wash over me and i'll say it's the best resident evil movie of them all that we watched and i think that the like overarching twist of the series that Alice is a grown-up little girl who developed the T-virus, like a clone of the girl who developed the T-virus and she got to be a, an old lady, like, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that that resolution was, like, an interesting thing to have the three Alices at three different ages. Uh, and I liked it. I'm giving it 2.5 Chucky Freckles. Alright! That's the highest... Let me see. Any other... I think that is the highest, uh, the highest Resident Paul Evil score. Paul W.S. Anderson score. Oh no, Mortal Kombat got a higher score than that. But, mm. uh, but wow, that's that's high praise, high praise. Yeah. All Jeremy, right. dish him out, my friend. What do you? How many freckles are you giving? I'm giving this two point two five. So just a little bit under McCaller's score. I I think it is probably the best Resident Evil movie. Um. I think the first one has a little bit of nostalgia for me, so those two are rated the same. Uh, mm. The mm. the original, the the very first one has a a point two five on it as well, because I uh, saw it in theaters with my you know have some good memories about it. Uh, <laughs> Do you give all movies you saw in theaters a little point two five bonus? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I think I do too. I think yeah. that like tracks to me. Yeah, I might as yeah, kinda. I just I just you know. I like this one and the first movie this about the same. And I like the rest of them. I think I gave every other single one of them a two. And I think mm. that's where they, that's where they're at. They're not quite a soldier bad or event horizon bad. Um, but they're also, you know, I don't know. I think this film is um, not a bad send off. I resent him for a couple of choices, like making me learn who new characters were. Um, <laughs> You know, why didn't he... Leon didn't die, by the way, right. in Retribution. Why didn't you bring Leon back? You know, why am I learning about Toka and Razar or whatever her, the name is? <laughs> why, you know, like, I... Yeah, so that that's... 
absolutely stupid. And there was characters we just never knew what happened to him, like Kmart. No idea what happened to yeah, Kmart. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> what happened with Kmart. Um, yeah, but then but then there was other choices I really liked. Like the handheld feel was pretty cool. The setting wasn't bad, especially for this. At this point, you know, it's like, yeah, the whole world's done for. I like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I loved the the actor who played Jarrell in in Game of Thrones. Isaacs, he's good. Yeah, so two point two five for me, and glad to have it in the in the rearview mirror. Eric, yeah, I think um, you know this this franchise is like not something that I probably ever would have watched if we if we were not doing this this podcast. Um, and uh, but I will say that this one I, I'd like to echo some of the things that you that, that you gentlemen said, uh, some of the nice things you had to say about it. And also, I want to throw. I just want to say again, I do think to me this felt like a video game movie, which I think is what he's you know going for or should be going for. I I, I just I watched this and I was like, yeah, man. If I was like, I don't know, eleven or something, and was just i i don't know like seeing <laughs> this with uh at a sleepover with some buddies i would think it's the most like badass like cool movie ever um and uh yeah i don't know i wasn't like i did not tune out quite as much as i do through <laughs> during a lot of his <laughs> movies and uh yeah i do think that the resident evil franchise all of these movies are are better than most of the other ones that he's done except for mortal Kombat. i'll give this one a 2.25 chucky freckles all right that's great uh, that's great well there you have it folks the can re- i ask you a question real quick that i thought of while i was watching please yes. Okay. And you guys are now officially the Paul W.S. Anderson experts in my life. And so this is, I'm watching this movie. uh, We get into the Umbrella Hive and we find out that all of Umbrella has cryogenically frozen themselves for the end of the world. And then they're going to reemerge. Oh, yeah. Uh (laughs) And Alice has this moment where she's like a Noah's Ark for the rich and powerful. And I thought, okay, if if we take it out of the confines of Umbrella... And there really is uh, the the upper elites of our world are freezing themselves because they know the apocalypse is coming. Does Paul W. S. Anderson make it into that upper crust? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know Paul W. S. Anderson. Okay. You know he's friends with like Elon Musk. Like yeah. he uh-huh. just seems like the type of guy who. I know I'm not gonna say he's a Trump supporter, but you know he's like, he's like rubbing elbows with a lot of the because he's he's rich and he's like a Michael Bay type, so he's not like mm-hmm. the most arty guy in the world. He right. made Death Race, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think, anyways, he might he now he might be the guy. Now, they might not let him get cryogenically frozen. They might be like, no, nah, Paul, come on. Well, that's what I was wondering, like, what the line is between, like, he has infinite money, yeah. probably, from making these movies that have done so well, but he's also such, like, a low-brow, low-art kind of guy. I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't have a gut feeling as to whether he is upper echelon or not. I don't know. Eric, what do you I think? I don't know. He actually kind of strikes me as, I keep thinking about this picture that I saw of him on the set of... I think Death Race, and I forget what band it was. I think it was a Metallica. I think he was wearing like a Metallica t-shirt and kind of like baggy jeans. And I just saw this guy that's like, I don't know how old he is now, but he just looks like a a grown child. You know what I mean? Like one of those guys who's like, he's just, he's just like super into like, uh, I don't know. Kid stuff. He's like never like fully grown up, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. And also, I'm mm-hmm. just this is just me predicting what he's like. And I also <laughs> think that this is a cool personality trait to have. But he seems like someone to me who's like, almost like spends his money like the blank check kid does. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like he he definitely has tons of wow. like four wheelers and stuff like that. And, for sure, you know, for sure. Segways and things. Oh man, spends his money 
a nerfer, definitely like an entire level of his mansion that it just is the Nerf gun floor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What a. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I respect him. I will say, after going through all these movies, I do respect him. Like, he obviously is doing what he likes to do. Uh, and he gets boatloads of money to do every single one of these movies. Mm-hmm. So cool. You know what I mean? Like, and he gets to like work with the, like the love of his life all the time. And I'm it, to be honest with you, a lot of my animosity towards Paul, uh, W S Anderson is I'm extremely jealous of his life. Mm. That makes yeah, sense. I, I mean, for sure. Like I, I, I'm definitely jealous of his life. I, I would make way different choices if I was living his oh, life. Yeah. But I, I, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. It's, it, it. Hey, on some level, it's like game recognized game. Like that's like, wow, <laughs> you just cheat. You beat the system. You beat the system yeah. hardcore. Mm-hmm. Like this is bravo. You know, um, we'd all we'd all like to make something that we like, right? But. Mm-hmm. But we don't get that opportunity because we're not him. It's like he did right. it. He's the guy. Uh, yeah. So that's, yeah. I love that. And I bet he, you know, he seems like the guy who, like, yes, maybe he's he's into silly, stupid Nerf gun floors in his house. I love that image of him. But I bet he's, I bet he's a pretty good dad. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why I think that. Oh, I didn't realize he had children. Oh, yeah, I bet he's an awesome dad. Because Ever, he has Ever Anderson. Ever Anderson. Right. Oh, right. Right. Forever Anderson. Yeah. Well, I, 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 you know, I hate to see it go, but I like to watch it walk away. That was the end of the Resident Evil portion. Uh, we do still have Monster Hunter. Is that right, Eric? Yes, we will be closing out the entire Anderson series with Monster Hunter. <laughs> if you are not subscribing to the Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, we will be doing retrospective kind of episodes. Uh, I guess maybe we kind of already did one for Paul W.S. Anderson, but we will be doing one for PTA and Wes Anderson. Um, and Jeremy, I'm just going to say it. We, we've come up with a new concept for the show. Go ahead. Uh, which will be b- debuting in two weeks, and I am going to announce it on our Patreon episode. So oh, if you want to know what that is early, if you're dying to know, it's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Five bucks a month. You should really just sign up anyway. You can cancel whenever you want if you don't like it, and it's, you know, we do this because we, like, we, we enjoy it, and it's nice to... It's nice to be able to cover the various costs of renting movies like, you know, Resident Evil, the final chapter. For sure. Uh, yes. And Michael, did we get any plugs from you? Do you got anything you want to want to promote? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Michael McCaller and follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Michael McCaller. Jeremy. Awesome. I know you got stuff going on. What are you? What are you doing? What you are you? What, what are you plugging? You can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Uh, yeah, if you like this show, uh, maybe like another film-related podcast type show that I do with a couple other guys called Double Double Feature Feature, where we do uh, we take two movies that are similar in in some kind of way, and and we talk about them together, not just as the film separately, but as the double feature. What makes a good double feature? Um, that's a lot of fun. I believe um, the last episode we did was a fan request from a fan of this show, Eric. Brian Horton. Yes. We did an episode. Uh, the double feature was Wagons East and Almost Heroes. So, Oh, uh, man. Uh, Almost Heroes. Two, two comedies where the, uh, a, uh, where the uh, lo- like, you know, America's sweetheart rotund comedian passed away before the movie's release. That's John Candy mm. for Rag- Wagons East and uh, and Chris Farley for Almost Heroes. And by the way, these films are incredibly similar, spookily similar mm. to one another. Yeah. They're both about uh, wag- taking your wagon and going across the United States. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Love check it. out that on uh, anywhere podcasts can be found. That's Double Double Feature Feature. All right. Do all that stuff and Norma... I'll see you in my dreams.